this is one of those episodes where I went to write the show notes and there was just so many great instructional tips for both beginning and advanced players. Teaching pro Greg Whitfield and I talk about what is the dining room shot, why the chip and catch is essential, and what is the number one mistake made in pickleball. Let's get to the intro to hear from Greg. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Greg Whitfield. How are you doing today, Greg? Doing fine, Lynn. Happy to talk to you. Awesome. I hope you had a chance to play some pickleball today. I know I did. I'm currently actually in the Cape Canaveral area, and I'm playing way more pickleball than I normally do, so my knees are feeling it. But anyways, I do normally like to start off the podcast with a little bit about your background, how you got into pickleball, and how long ago that was. Well, I started in about six years ago, and I was a tennis player through high school and college. And then I became certified by the United States Professional Tennis Association. I became a tennis pro at a country club in Southern California. I had coached a couple of tennis teams, high school tennis teams in Southern California. And pretty much tennis was my life. And then after about 10 years of that, I moved up to the central coast of California and got out of teaching tennis at a country club and then just started raising a family, taught my kids tennis but up in the central coast it's kind of a part-time sport it's not a full-time sport so it was more of a recreational sport and about six years ago someone introduced me to pickleball and i was like what is that and then when i saw the game i became attracted to it and about two weeks later i was completely addicted to playing pickleball instead of tennis so i made the transition and i'm glad i did yeah your story is like many people's especially with that tennis background. And given that you've got a long history in teaching tennis, coaching tennis, I know you're also a an instructor for pickleball. You've also put together a really interesting course called Pickleball Shots and Strategies. How did you come up with that name? Well, I came up with it because when you're playing the game, it's I was always, when I was teaching people and talking to people about the game, what comes first, the shots or the strategies. And it really goes hand in hand. You need to have an understanding of how to hit the different shots in order to implement them into the different strategies. And so I got attracted to pickleball because tennis was, when you're playing competitive tennis, the top player will just literally blow you off the court with a big strong serve and you can't get the ball back or back in my day, they were serving volleying, and they would just take you off the court with power. And when I saw a pickleball, I'm going, wow, there's this kitchen there where if you can drop the ball into the kitchen and the ball bounces lower than the net, now you've, in, in essence, slowed the game down to where you can have longer rallies when a lot of people like that. Not to say that people that play attacking styles, a game will attack everything. So you really have to have good hands and good volleys in order to compete at the higher levels. But that was pretty much what I looking at was how to just get out there and teach people to play a consistent style of game, improve their game and improve their strategies. Because 
I mean, I, that's why I say strategies is plural. There's a guy that do- donates his time to teaching at our local club. And he says to play proper pickleball, you must go to the net or go to the no volley zone line. And I differ from that. I think that when you're returning serve, you're not intimidated if you're kind of a lower level player because they're going to hit the serve into that service box. Just stay back and hit the return. And most of the time, people that are beginners get intimidated by going forward and having a hard drive hit at them because they don't really have a good volley. So I just say, hey, play the strategy of staying back and play bounce hit. Like you do when they serve the ball to you, the serve is hitting in the box, it bounces, hit that ball back and stay back. And then they hit a return of serve to you, the ball bounces. So you can play pretty competitive pickleball because the court's only 10 feet wide and you can cover it with a couple of steps and you can just stay back and keep the ball in play and have fun that way. And so I was giving them a strategy of playing defensive pickleball. And then the other strategy would be to obviously when you're returning team, develop a volley and go forward and then you have two people up so there's more than one strategy there's a whole bunch of strategies out there at the highest level they do a shake and bake there's a then the more traditional way of playing pickleball is hit a drop shot into the kitchen and you and your partner move up together but you have to have a, a drop shot in order for that to happen and so i heard someone recently say that the only time you really want to go to the net is when you hit a really good drop shot that bounces into the kitchen and it's in front of their feet and that gives you a, a better ball to go in on. So it was the combination of both shots and strategies. And that's what I teach. I really like that idea. You're talking about a lot of people when they first come into the game. And even if they have a tennis background, they are uncomfortable moving up to that kitchen line. And I think some people would just rush up to the kitchen line way too fast. I'm somebody who, when I'm playing and I'm the serving team, I'm looking to see how good is my third shot and then making a decision on, okay, well, have I given them an offensive opportunity? If I have, I'm going to stay back pretty deep in the court and play that defense. So that actually fits in really well with what you're talking about, even for beginners. Right, right. I think that if you're a partner, a lot of times we get out there recreationally, at least I do as an ambassador for pickleball, and I'm at my local club, and so I'm one of the better players there. And often I'm playing with someone I don't really know, and they haven't really developed a good drop shot, and their drive is average or whatever. But let's say they do have a drop shot, and the ball is returned to that your partner. I will start to creep in a few steps, but I'm watching my partner's shot to see if it's going to be hit with a soft enough pace to land in the kitchen. And if it does, I move forward. They call that no man's land, but more people morely describe it as a transition. And so if it's a good drop shot, then you transition forward up to your no volley zone line. If you're there inside the baseline and then you see it to be too high of a drop shot, you transition to go back to the baseline and play the next ball after it bounces. I mean, don't stay in that transition area and have a ball hit hard at your feet. That's a more difficult ball to get back. You have to be a pretty strong player, a good skilled player, four or five or above in order to take an attacking shot and then hit a drop volley or a reset volley into the other pre- your, part, your opponent's kitchen. So it's a tough ball to hit. And a lot of times you have to have a half volley there. you got to have good touch. So you got to have the right skill set in order to move forward. And most players just been told you got to move forward and you get into 
a volley duel. You hit the ball too high, you're moving forward, they volley the ball hard at you, and game on. You better have some quick hands and good volleys at that point in time. <laughs> Very true. And one of the really interesting things I noticed as I was looking at your course, you talk about something called the dining room shot. And I have to admit, I have never heard of that before. Can you explain what that is and why it's used? Yeah. So when you are aging in the sport, like I watch people that are, say, 25 to 35 years old, they can get up to that no volleys online so quickly that they're there. But when you're, I'm 69, going to be 70 next year. And a lot of the people in pickleball are recreational players. They're not extremely athletic. They're not extremely fast. They're going to hit a other serve. They hit it's maybe someone hit a little deeper serve to you. And now you have to transition, hit the ball from the baseline and get all the way to the volley line. You're not going to do it. A lot of people that are say over 55, 60 years old, they're going to get about two thirds away up to the volleys online. They're going to be two to three feet behind that no volleys online. And so that area there, I just coined it that you want to hit a ball that's an half speed drive it's an easier ball to hit than a drop shot a drop shot has to be hit with a softer pace so that it lands shorter in the court and when someone's three feet back behind that no volley zone line what it joins in most houses the kitchen is the dining room and so it was just kind of a cute name to come up with at one point in time i met the guy down at the nationals a guy named ernie who came up with that name ernie I'm assuming because he was the first one that did an Ernie. And so I wanted to introduce to the world of pickleball, the dining room shot, because it has a larger window to hit through. It's an easier ball to hit than a drop shot. You're not hitting a hard drive because you want the ball to land. If you measured it out from your baseline to your opponent's, no volleys on line is 29 feet. So add another three feet to it. So it's a 32 foot shot. And you can hit the ball so it lands at their feet when they're not all the way in. And so then I just coined it. Well, that's just like you could call it a short angle shot. But it's basically a shot that goes. It's not designed to land inside the kitchen. It's designed to land two to three feet past the kitchen line where your opponents often are standing. So coined right. it a so, shot. <laughs> yeah, right. So then the idea is that essentially... I'm hitting a, as a serve team. It's the third shot. Yeah, it's the third shot of a point. So you hit a serve and the returner. And so you ideally want to hit a deeper serve. You want the ball to land back near the baseline so that the starting point of your opponent is farther back. And often on that ball, that you this the receiver's partner is already up at the no volley zone line. So you, if you hit the ball at an angle going cross court, like you serve the ball cross court, you're kind of avoiding the poacher that would be moving over to the middle of the court. So you're kind of angling the ball cross court and you want the ball to land two to three feet past the no volleys on line as your third shot. So to control your shots, there's four controlling factors. It's the angle, which we know we have to do for the serve. And I just find out most players are really more accomplished on this four aspects of it is angle, height, pace, and spin. The angle, they get it because they know they have to hit the serve cross court at a, a diagonal. 
They also know that when they're hitting a return of serve, they always, most players hit to the weaker all the time. I get on the court. I don't see very many balls. I don't see many balls return to me, even though I'm going to play recreation. I'm going to keep the ball in play. Most people put an emphasis on winning, so they hit the return of serve to one side of the court to where they deem the weaker player is. So we know the angle is understood. Now it's height, pace. And so how high do you hit it and how hard do you hit it? So hitting a dining room shot, you can hit the ball a little bit higher and a little bit softer so that the ball is only going to go 32 feet. Basically, it's, it's designed to land three feet past the no volleys line where a lot of players are going to be in the senior divisions. They just don't get all the way up to the no volleys line after one shot. They have to work their way in. And so it just gives you, and you, when you place the ball at their feet, in front of their feet, they have to hit up on the ball. They have to hit a half volley. They have to hit a low volley. It's just a good shot. I find that when I'm hitting my third shot drop or a drop shot, I'm trying to hit it too carefully and too close. And often I hit the ball into the tape or into the net. And so this gives you the leeway to just to hit the ball a little harder, a little higher, and have the ball get over the net. But it's still going to be low to your opponents where it's going to be below their knees, landing by shin height or down by their feet if they're in the middle of the court. So it's kind of like, it goes, where did the kitchen come from? I mean, how they come up with that name. So it's like another name instead of kitchen, it's the dining room. You could call it a mid court shot, but I just thought it was kind of cute to say a dining room shot. And you're right. I absolutely like that idea because I know I spend a lot of time practicing my third shots and that's a very advanced shot. It's very tough to be consistent with. It's you have to really hit it well for it to be effective. But as you mentioned, it's much easier to hit that that one to three foot area behind the kitchen line. And as long as you're playing that opponent who can't quite make it up to the kitchen line right. as fast as they need to be. Yeah, I could definitely see that hitting. Hit, again, the idea is really hitting to the feet. Exactly. Wherever they are, if you can always... Whoever I'm playing with is my partner. They ask me, what should I do? I say, hit each ball so that the ball bounces in front of your opponent, no matter where they are on, on the court. If they're up at the kitchen line, it requires a little bit more touch to get the ball to bounce in front of their feet. But if they're in the middle of the court, hit your ball so it bounces in front of their feet. It's really not a good idea to always hit the ball so, they're, hit the ball so they can hit a hard volley. I would say that probably the number one mistake made in pickleball is hitting the ball from the baseline too high and moving forward. You're giving your opponent a good high ball that they can hit a hard volley on. And if you're moving forward, if they're good, they're going to place the ball hard down at your feet. And that's a tough ball to get back. You got That's probably really just defines the difference of the skill levels. And the better the players are, the better they are of hitting the ball in front of their feet. And so... So a ball bounces, it bounces in front of them, or at least the ball is low. So that's critical for advancing your game. Now, the one thing that you mentioned about the dining room shot is that you can hit that ball higher. Now, do you want to hit it with topspin? Do you want to hit it flat? What's the optimal way to do that? Well, I teach hitting balls with, one of two spins, which is top spin or underspin. And that was from 
my years in tennis and the international pickleball, I mean, it was the United States Professional Tennis Association required you to hit every ball, demonstrate topspin and underspin, which is called slice. And so the topspin is the description of applying topspin is called brushing up on the ball. But you really wouldn't say I hit a brush up forehand. They would say, you mean topspin. And on the other side, if you say you're hitting slice, the slice is the paddle or the, or the uh, imparting the spin. So you're imparting underspin and often it's called backspin, but the tennis association just called it topspin underspin. So that's where I started my teaching career from. So I hit most of my shots with underspin because I can take all the speed off. I can take the speed off the ball and it lines up with any type of ball, any height, any speed, you get your paddle on it the question is could you do a chip and catch and a chip and catch to me is the Mm -hmm. most important skill to acquire that is like when you're serving the ball and you're back on the baseline and the ball's on the other side of the court and your opponents hit the ball to you you have to gather the ball because you're going to be the next server as the ball's coming to you wherever it's on your forehand or backhand side you take your paddle and you chip the ball up in the air you've taken all the speed off of it and you catch the ball so you have acquired the ball with soft hands good touch great feel and so that technique of the underspin chip and catch is to me like i say the most important skill to acquire so when you were looking at this dynamic shot and you see someone in the middle of the court Let's say someone hit a hard overhead at you. You hit a lob. They backed up to the middle of the court and hit the overhead. Now, they're in the middle of the court and they hit an overhead. There's a fast, bouncing ball coming at you. If the skill was to catch it, you would not have a backswing and you wouldn't have a follow-through. You would just get your hand out in front of the ball and catch it. So now when you hit the overhead or the fast ball, you take your paddle out in front of yourself and then you're just going to block it back and you're applying some underspin because you want to control the distance that the ball is going to travel. So I would say hit an underspin shot that's designed to land in the middle of the court. Now, if you wanted to go topspin, personally, I would have to have a more ideal ball, something that landed in the middle of the court, was not coming really fast, had a descending arc to it as coming down to me. So my topspin is low to high. I could swing up with topspin and get the ball to curve in with topspin and it's achievable with topspin but I personally with my skill set even though I'm a 5-0 player would have to have an easier ball to, in order for me to accurately put topspin on it when I'm watching the top pros in, in the world now play and they're hitting a lot of them are hitting forehand topspin dinks my chin is on my chest like wow how do you consistently do that me, I hit a lot of defensive underspin dinks. So you have to have those two techniques down and figure out which way you want to go. Uh, interesting, when I was being tested into the tennis certification, every shot required the type of spin, top spin or underspin, until you got to the drop shot. They didn't dictate the type of spin because what you had to do is you had to hit the ball over the net and had it bounce three times before it got to the service line. You can't do it as a certification for a drop shot. You can't hit a drop shot with topspin. It was never going to bounce three times before it got to the middle of the court. So when I came into pickleball and I'm seeing all these people on their forehand side, 
low to high swing and trying to put topspin on it, it's just a more difficult shot. It's You have to, again, coordinate or control the amount of spin and the speed of your shot. And the top players in the world are really accomplished at it. And players that put an exceptional amount of time into it can develop it to do it. With me, I would say I have a hula hoop out on the court and I have one right in front of the baseline. I have one in my kitchen and I have a, one on the other side of the net in their kitchen. I have one back on the baseline. As the ball is being fed to me, can I chip it up and have the ball land in the hula hoop right in front of me? That's the chip and catch. You, that's the skill you really want to develop. Then can you chip it up and have the ball land in your own kitchen? So every time you're chipping the ball, you're chipping the ball so it goes up off your paddle. Now you have to control the pace so it doesn't go so far. So that's the touch. So I would say I have studied this extensively. And I say the answer to good touch, great feel, and soft hands is the chip and catch. So I could stand up at the baseline. I have videos of that on the website. And I had my mixed double, my men's doubles partner, Ken Curry, who's won the nationals. He hits his hard drive at me and I catch the ball with my hand like a baseball player. I just catch it out in front. Hey, Ken, hit it again. Hit it hard. He hits it. I take my paddle. I chip it up and I catch it there. So I've taken all the speed off the ball. And then the next progression is hit a drop volley. So the drop volley is hit with underspin. You can take all the sp speed off of it. So when you get into the senior, you hit a ball deep into the corner back there. They hit the ball back to you. Then you hit a little drop volley over the net. They can't get to it. They can't get back to it because they're in the 65s or 70s or whatever. They just don't have the foot speed. So the answer to your question for that dining room shot, I would say I would start it with underspin. And then there is a topspin one as well, but it has to have a easier ball being fed to you for most players, unless you're highly skilled. That's actually a, a perfect answer because you already answered the next question I was going to ask about the chip and catch is how you practice it. And you did a great job of describing it with the hula hoops. And I think that's a great idea. And I'm definitely with you on the on the underspin, my background was as a racquetball player. So to keep the ball low, you hit just about everything with underspin. Otherwise, it comes up and bounces too high and your opponent can get it. I've just recently really learned how to hit topspin well. And I don't use it a lot except for pretty much when I'm hitting a drive from the baseline. Right, right. Well, I just played the nationals and I played in the singles and a couple guys are just, were so good. Oh, my gosh. And so you, they hit a hard serve, and you pretty much got to try to get to the net when you're playing singles. And so I'd hit the return and go forward, and they would hit a short angle to either side. So if I hit the ball deep to their backhand, they're hitting a ball that's going to land past the no volleys on line and about two feet past it or three feet past it, but over towards the far sideline. In tennis, it would be called a short angle. In pickleball, you call it a short angle. But shorten the court, but it's angled off the court. If I were fast enough to get to it, I'm hitting a volley down below my left knee. I'm right-handed. I'm completely stretched, and I can't do anything with the ball. And so they just had that accuracy that when they're coming in, if you can place the ball there, then that's a good thing to a great shot to have. It's great ball control and placement. I would say the same thing applies into, I have a chapter on that uh, website saying 
your serve should be a snapshot of your game. And so a lot of players don't have a very good backhand, but they never try hitting a backhand serve. So that's, again, they're going to get your serve back. So if your serve is a snapshot of your game, hit an occasional bounce backhand serve. Then if you want to get a little trickier, put a, a target. So for your forehand side, even side, put a target two feet past the no volleyball line and two feet inside the sideline. Now hit the ball cross court with the right amount of pace to clear the no volleyball line because you can't hit it in the kitchen. And, but, you know, it's a smaller target area, but you're learning how to hit the short angle shot. You're learning how to hit a dining room shot as your third shot in a point. On your backhand side, same thing. Bounce the ball from your backhand serve. You can hit like a slice return or a slice serve and hit the ball short and angled off the court. I ace people with this serve. It's a little tricky to do because you're the service box areas is 10 by 15, 150 square feet. I'm talking about hitting it into a four by four area. So, but it teaches you how to hit that dining room shot. If you have it as your serve and that's all you're doing is you then hit a lob serve that helps you hit a lob returner serve, gives you more time to get up. So your serve should be a snapshot of everything you have. You should be able to hit backhand serves, forehand serves, topspin, forehands, slice, or underspin serves. You should be able to have everything off of your serve because you can always hit a bounce serve nowadays, and it's a good way to go. I agree. That's what I do because it was like my racquetball serve. So, Greg, this has been great. Wonderful tips. I think your course has got so much to offer. If somebody is interested in it, where can they learn more? Well, there's a free side of it. I mean, I've spent over $20,000 and thousands of hours, but it was my my passion. It's really what I wanted to do when I, I was a PE major and I specialized in recreation. And when I found pickleball, I honestly say pickleball is the best lifetime sport for everybody. I mean, that's why it's at every development now. You can't have a senior development without pickleball courts on the premises, on the development. And so there's every place you go, places to play pickleball, you can play wherever you want to go almost. And it's so popular because you don't have to be extremely, the court is manageable. It's 10 feet wide, your side of the court. And so that's, that's why I wanted to give back to pickleball, but I didn't realize I was going to have such an expense in granting all this information. So that website of pickleball shots and strategies has I'm 69 years old. It has all my information from years of tennis and now years of pickleball and making it from a PE instructor's viewpoint of how to have simple mechanics of how to do certain things and and develop these skills. So I will take people out on the court in a clinic and I'll say, okay, you just put your paddle down and now you stand behind the baseline And your objective now is to catch the ball after one bounce. I hit the server into the box. They move to the ball, catch it with their hands. You'll find that when people are catching the ball with their hand, they're not taking a backswing. They're not taking a follow through. Then the progression of that is I give them my trout fishing net. Say, catch the ball in the net. 
again, they, most players only had two people out of 200 take a big swing to try to catch it in the net. Most people just place the net out there and catch it and say, what, okay, what's this telling me, Greg? It's telling you that if you get your paddle out in front and have a small, compact motion with an open paddle face, you'll be able to get the ball back into play. So that's how I teach beginners, and they're able to keep the ball in play. If they can move to the ball and get their paddle on the ball, they should have a, their paddle face adjusted so that it's open slightly so the ball goes over the net. Now angle it and, and then control the pace so it doesn't go so far if you want to hit the ball into the kitchen. So I have my methodology of teaching one, you know, that underspin technique. You can hit a chip and catch. You can hit a drop shot. You can hit a return of serve. You can hit a volley. You can hit a dink. You can hit a lob. You can hit all the shots with that one easy, small, compact motion. And that gets people out in the court and starts playing, and it gives them exercise and fun, recreation. It's just a, a good way of going. I love it. And you had mentioned that you've got a number of videos that people can access on the website at no cost. And then given the yeah. amount of content you have and what you've put into it, your pricing is very nominal. Can you let the folks out there know what that is? Well, it's $79 for it's over seven hours and over 90 videos. I didn't want to have sticker shock. I mean, there are people, it depends on what part of the country you're at, but in some of these areas like Florida, California, I would say that there's a lot of professional pickleball instructors charging close to $100 an hour. I didn't want to have sticker shock, so I priced it at $79, thinking that it's priced so low for the content. And someone needs to have some understanding of it, of pickleball and playing recreational I'm trying to make a, an impact on pickleball. When I play pickleball on a recreational level, I do not try to put the ball away. I try to place the ball so they can't put the ball away against me. So I'm trying with my skill set. I do have ball control to place the ball like down and away, low and make them stretch a little bit. So it's low. So they really can't attack it. And uh, But I give them a legitimate chance to get their ball back. So I, I really firmly believe there's three ways of winning a point. Hit a winner, hit a ball so doggone hard they don't have a chance of getting the ball back, or hit a ball that challenges them, but you're trying to get them to make an unforced error. And I play pickleball that way when I'm playing recreational, which is most of the time. I don't play tournaments all the time. I play more recreational ball. And I'm just trying to get the, I want them to extend the rally. I want to have longer rallies. Now, I use the analogy that if we were going to play Frisbee, would we want to play fetch or catch? Most players get out there, and every high ball, they're literally trying to hit the ball so hard, they want to put the ball away and end the point. I take that high ball, and we'll place it back over to their low backhand side and to try to say, okay, let's keep the ball in play. Let's try to have a longer rally, get more exercise. I would say to everybody out there in pickleball, at least play one game every time you play like you do when you warm up. You know, don't try to win the warm-up. Try to place your shot, and as you get better, challenge your opponent. And when you get them like, ah, and they're frustrated because they made an unforced error, that's how you really want to win most of the points recreational. Give them a chance to get the ball back when they make an unforced error. Challenge them a little bit more, a little bit more pace, a little bit more placement. 
but you want to give them just don't hit the ball so hard they don't have a chance to get the ball back and that's how i play pickleball and i would encourage people to do that so i have chapters on that as well when i think that the weaker players they would appreciate it i mean i see people coming to our club on and guests and they just are extreme bangers and they just hit the ball and place and put the ball away every time and against weaker players i don't get it i don't understand i mean hit the ball recreational you should involve everybody that's on the court with the ball hit the ball to the better player as well as the weaker player and give everybody a chance to keep the ball in play and have longer rallies is what i try to get people to do right that's a great philosophy and your course is a steal because it's a $79 one-time fee. Right. And Greg, I thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Just so much knowledge and so many tips. I know all the listeners will enjoy it. Good. I appreciate you allowing me to get on with you. I do, I do enjoy that. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.